freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Open Championship. I've got the crew here, but it's just, you know, one of these things. It's been two years since we've had an Open Championship. We finally get it back. It's the the purest form of golf, and at the end of the week, somebody's going to be sipping out of the Claret Jug, and they just might be sipping Arnold Palmer spiked. It is the classic combination of iced tea and lemonade. It's real juice, brewed teas, and a smooth flavor as smooth as Arnold Palmer's swing. 5% ABV. It is my go-to drink both on and off the course. And you can find Arnold Palmer spiked in a store near you at arnoldpalmerspike.com slash first or search for it on Drizzly and Instacart. That's arnoldpalmerspike.com slash first. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. Let's bring in the crew. Joining me to break it all down on this Tuesday, the coach is here. Coach, welcome. Well, I actually uh, went out to run a mile while you were reading that about Arnold Palmer's bike, <laughs> and I just got back in time. So, welcome. I'm pumped up. We got a major championship this week, so I'm fired up. Let's go. Coach, we got to pay your salary, man. I got to hit those t- reads right <laughs> at the top. Very true. All I'm right. very expensive. I'm very expensive. Exactly. Mark Immelman is here. Mark, happy Open Championship Tuesday. So excited. And, Coach, by the way, that mile you ran, I hope it was to the bottle shop to get my wine that I'm still waiting for. And I've never oh, yeah. had Palmer Spike. Would someone please help a brother out here? Please, please. <laughs> two two things I never thought I, I never thought I would say. Mark Immelman saying, help a brother out. And yeah. then also, I got to say this, because so many people watched on, on PGA Tour Live last week. I saw Mark more on PGA Tour Live as I was calling the action than when he's actually on PGA Tour Live calling the action. You find the camp, Mark, you just do. Difference is you had already covered 18 holes in the morning, and I was just out there for nine or so in the afternoon. <laughs> I love it. Rounding out our crew for today, it is Kyle Porter. KP, what's up? Uh, producer Jacob wants to know which golfer in the field is most likely to drink Arnold Palmer spiked out of the Claret jug. He just Ooh. sent us this text. And I'm going to, my first instinct, my first thought was, uh, Marcus Armitage, the bullet. Oh, the, the main man. That would be pretty good. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know if there's a better. I don't. Um, that's the thing with Arnold Palmer spiked, Kyle. It's, uh, you know, it goes, everybody can enjoy it. So there's not a, there's not a clear answer here, my maybe, friend. You know? Maybe Jimmy Walker. <laughs> Jimmy Walker would drink Arnold <laughs> spiked. Out of- He's a bourbon guy. Maybe. <laughs> okay. uh, He's into bourbons. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Uh, we're back. Two years. Here we go. Uh, Shane Lowry still the defending uh, champion. That was that was at Portrush two years ago. And Mark, I, I think uh, you texted us uh, in the group chat one of these great images of Royal St. George's, and it really illustrates kind of uh, the undulations uh, that are out there on a golf course that is, it, you know, might ask you to play the ball on the ground a little bit. Yeah, I, I would make an argument that it is probably the hardest golf course on the Open Championship rotor. I know Carnoustie is has got a reputation, but but Royal St. George's, it is just difficult. And there's humps and hollows everywhere. And those pictures that were on PGA Tour, I believe it was, they had been shaded in a way that you could see all the bumps and stuff. And, and in the fairway is one thing. And there are a lot of them here around this golf course. You can see there, there's lots of crowns, there's lots of valleys. It's probably the most natural course of the bunch of them, uh, just the way this thing lays out. But there's a whole bunch of dunes that you play in between on the front nine there. There's a number of blind tee shots. There's a blind second, in fact. I think it might be on the fifth hole where you turn back toward the ocean and you hit like an iron off the tee. Then you have to hit like a five iron, six iron, whatever it is, over this gigantic hill and you can't see where the green is. And so a lot of blind shots, a lot of undulations on the greens. I would say of my experiences, and I have not been to all the venues, but I've seen Troon, I've seen Turnbury, I've seen the old course. Um, I've never been to Muirfield, uh, I'll be honest. I've seen Hoy Lake. This one by far and away has the most challenging greens. And, and I know the wind's not really forecast to blow. 
but with these with these undulations and stuff when it blows around there the greens get so difficult uh, one of the things that we were talking about coach uh, a little bit earlier is the lack of control you have over a lot of factors this week if you're a golfer you know you don't control the wind the ball uh, if you miss by a little bit it's going to continue to roll into you know different quadrants or roll into some of these pot bunkers you kind of have to be okay with not being in full control this week and just learn to accept it very early. And that's a great point because uh, that, that's why we tend to lean towards certain kinds of golfers to win at golf courses like this. And Mark just uh, very eloquently kind of put over uh, really what kind of a golfer has to play well this week. Well, you got to be a good putter, right? And you got to be good around the greens because you're not going to hit everyone because to your point, uh, Rick, a, a ball could be headed for, uh, the pin and all of a sudden it hits a little bump and then shoots straight right or shoots straight left and all of a sudden now you're down in the valley or maybe you go over or you get in a pop bunker, which is how these courses penalize you since there's no trees and there's no water. Uh, you get in a pop bunker, it's essentially a, a shot penalty. So uh, I tend to lean towards guys that are great grinders like a Brooks Kepka or a Louis Oosthuizen or a Paul Casey because they're, they're okay with losing a shot. And those are the kind of guys – uh, that, that I want to be behind this week. Yeah, coach. And I would add to that with the way this golf course plays, because then you think about a rhythm for argument six, which I failed to mention in Royal Birkdale, the two on the West coast of England there, they sort of more in front of you and stuff where here, you know, links golf. And I've said it is very much a mindset, but especially here, because you could hit one that's down the middle, you snatch up the tee and all of a sudden you get there and it's at the wrong side of a mountain. It's in a pot bunker. So there's that Lynx golf mindset of like, I could hit a quality shot and I could get there and be in the in the hay or I could be in a pot bunker or I could hit a funky one and I get a good bounce. So over here, you've got to be very much of the mindset where you look for not just the bad bounces, but you pay attention to the good bounces too because they will yeah. typically even out, but you've got to be in the mindset to look for that sort of right. stuff. So, so, so getting by the elements is one thing, but on this golf course, certainly watching for both the goods and the bads and having that mindset about you, I think is crucial. You know, KP, were you thinking when you saw those photos uh, of those undulations in the fairway, were you kind of thinking the same thing I was? I bet it's awesome. <laughs> that there's not a, not a flat lie in sight in the fairway. I'm starting to think of a couple other places. There's not, not a yeah, lot of flat sounds, lies in the fairways. Sounds like Augusta. Sounds like Kapalua. <laughs> Sounds like Jordan Spieth's Sounds like tournament Spieth's to win. Fourth, fourth major championship. <laughs> I, you know, I, I thought it was. I thought it was really. There we go. I thought. I thought it was really interesting. Bryson and Rory were both talking about the the course and the land, and Bryson said it was a little softer than maybe he was anticipating, or, or and maybe a little softer than past open like courses that he's played. Uh, and that the ball was, it wasn't sticking. It wasn't like, you know, uh, Detroit golf club a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, just fiery and shooting all over the place. Like maybe it did back in 11 or, or 2003. And Rory said kind of the same thing. He, I th he had such a good quote on it. He said something like by the weekend, the course should be playing like it should be playing. Hmm. And kind of the takeaway there is like it, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna play it's not gonna be insane it's not gonna be silly um but it's gonna play like a like an open course should which is very different than what we see week to week so i'm just i'm so excited for it i i, I you know i say i want the like just complete insanity and sometimes i do but you do want it to play like as as fairly as possible and and on links in links golf that's some that does mean like mark was talking about good bounces and bad bounces but you don't want everything to be like you don't want every bounce to end up in the in the bunker or, or you know dead like you, you don't have a second shot kyle that's a good take and the one thing rick to build on that with the golf course being softer with all the summertime rains they've had over there the rough is brutal from what I understand. And that, that, that fescue grass, that heather, as they call it, it's long. And normally it's long and wispy when it's dry. But when it's wet, you have an undergrowth of like green grass in there. And this place, the last time we were there, Tiger Woods lost his first tee shot of the tournament, which I don't think in the history of ever Tiger Woods has lost a ball because of the galleries around, which yeah. speaks to the premium that's going to place on putting the ball in play off the tee 
And then another thing about this place, it's over a big expanse of land where a lot of these links courses, they're built into like um, tiny areas, like Lytham is in a residential area and you've got like a limited space. So holes are left and right and kind of next to each other. So ordinarily, if you avoid pot bunkers, you can spray it a little bit. This place over here, it is big and there's rough everywhere. And if you spray it off the tee, you're going to have a pretty harsh time of it, especially with the rough being thicker. So with, when you get a slightly firmer golf course, but still that rough in the weekend, it, it's going to be a good test of that, I'm convinced. It is uh, certainly going to be a good test. And the man at the top of the betting board, Coach, is one John Rahm, who the last time we saw in the States, he was winning the U.S. Open. The last time we saw anywhere in the world, he was contending last week at the Scottish Open. And now he's the favorite 7-1 to one, uh, to add a second major championship to his resume immediately after his first. And guess who all the sports books want to win this week? That'd be John Rahm because – you can't bet on a seven to one in the golf course. It's insane. Yeah, I, I, you rarely see a favorite go from plus nine hundred to plus seven hundred. That's how bullish everybody is on John Rom because of the only reason he didn't win the Scottish Open was because of the putter. So if I'm going into any major championship and I'm hitting a great off the tee, which he did, I'm hitting a great with my irons, which he is, and all of a sudden I'm missing three and four footers with my putter, I can fix that. That's something I can go to the practice screen and say, okay, what was I doing? Opening up my, my face a little bit. Was I uh, hooding it just a little bit? And that's the reason he didn't win. He's hitting it incredibly well. And so I love it when there's one stud at the top. I love when it's PJ, Rory, Tiger, whatever it is, and somebody's chasing him because they're playing at a high level every single tournament. And that's how John Rahm is. That's the kind of player I like at the top. Not somebody who's like, I eh, really, I really don't care week to week. No, John Rom every single week wants to step on your throat, and I hope he is number one for a really, really long time. And I think he's going to have a great week this week. I asked you, Kyle Porter, um, two major championships ago, when we should start getting worried about Rom not <laughs> winning. You said his twentieth major, in which he won. So if you were to add a second one here in his twenty-first, he'd be halfway towards a, as Jacob put in the outline, outline. A Rom Slom, is that that's not going to be that's not going to be the name for it, is it? That's not that's not good. That's not good. Uh, man, Rom is you know I I think that I wrote about Rom today for for the web for CBSSports.com and I, I think the Open the double is fascinating. U.S. Open Open Championships only happened four times since World War II. It's Hogan in '53. It's uh, check me on this Trevino in 71, I think, and then Tom Watson in, in 1982, and then Tiger in uh, in 2000 when he won at Pebble and, and St. Andrews. And all, all four of those guys won at just elite courses. I mean, Hogan's was it was, I think, Oakmont and Carnoustie, which is stupid, it's just crazy. awesome. Um, and Rom, Rom's got a chance to join him, and 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 he's the favorite you know, to join them. And it, it, you know, he's still, it's still improbable that he, that he would, because it's improbable that any single player would win any tournament, but I'm with coach. I mean, there's only six guys that have beat him in the last three events. He's playing at a level, you, you know, I, in my article, I made the point that there's a difference between knowing that you should win a major and, or knowing that you will win a major in the future and knowing that you can, because you've already done it. And it's a slight difference. Rom already had a ton of confidence. He, he's been, if you look at like statistically the last five years, he's been the best guy in the world. He's been the best player in the world overall for the last five years. And he's, he racks up three wins a year, every year, three wins a year. And he, he's, he's the only thing that's changing is how confident he is that he can win a major championship. And that's terrifying. It's not like some guys get to the end of the road, they win a major and then they're kind of like, shut it down, not shut it down, but it's, it, it kind of gets turned off a little bit that, that for him, winning the U S open, it felt like a mile marker. It didn't feel like the end of the road. It felt like a mile marker into whatever his future holds. So I, I'm really excited not only for this week, but what the next five or 10 years holds for, for John Rom. I think the fascinating fascinating conversation around John Rahm, Mark, is is we, we do this a lot, right? As soon as somebody wins an Open Championship, we're like, oh, great, 
great links player. Like he just won, he won, like we, we we retroactively attach that. Now that John Rahm has won a major championship, there's no longer these, oh well, his emotions are gonna stop him from winning a major championship. That I guess that conversation has now gone out the window. And now we're gonna we are now going to be viewing John Rahm through essentially a new lens from this point moving forward. Well, I certainly am. I mean, back when I used to make good one and done picks in November. <laughs> last year. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, last year. We we were leading into the November Masters, and you were asking folks for their selections, and I was like, hey, have any of you been watching how Dustin Johnson's playing? And this place is setting up for him, signed me up for Johnson, and he won at a canter. Broke records. Yes, it wasn't a Masters like we normally saw, but just everything he was doing, not just physically, but mentally was just so on point. And, and Kyle makes a good point about confidence. You're all showing all the statistics and everything that you should to bear to to beef up this argument and i'm on board this week with ram to win i am i'll be honest with you and the reason why i'm going there is because what he's doing on the golf course in terms of his decision making and yes he's still a little fiery that's who he is he's never not going to be that guy but that u.s open everyone will talk back to the the putt that he hold on 18 to win right to, to basically ask the thing yep i'm going to the bunker shot he had prior to that you know, he's in the bunker there. Old Ram would have probably had a go at that thing because he's this generational talent who can hit any shot in the book. Case in point, the Players' Championship on the 11th, right? When Adam Hayes <laughs> was trying to talk him off. Yes, Ram now. <laughs> grown up a little bit, more mature, more comfortable, more aware of the sort of Tiger Woods mentality where, like, if I just survive, no one's beating me. He plays it out to the right. He gives himself 15 feet, whatever it was, and then he drains that. And and, and John Rahm making decisions like that with his skills, man, it's going to be one-way traffic for a little while. Yeah. Now, look, things can go against him, and I'm keen to see how he navigates those funky bounces we're probably going to see. And, and I'm sure there'll be some of that sort of stuff. But now winning, I think he's comfortable with the decision-making, with the preparation, and I think he's also pretty comfortable with the fact that over 72 holes, to sound like Brooks now, there's probably only that many guys. <laughs> that can and, and, and this is a great place for a, a guy with that sort of skill to be mentally. Yeah, it, I mean, it's true. You know, it was interesting. I, I saw he had an interview. I think it was with Todd Lewis on Golf Channel. Uh, just talking about how winning at Tory was more of a relief than anything. Um because, you know, people were talking about, he's like, I, I know, I knew I was good, but people were like, oh, best to never win a major and, and all this different stuff. It didn't, it didn't, feel, it felt like him, like it was just an expectation and he was just relieved that that, that one was over so that he can right. continue doing the things that he's been doing. And that's, I mean, that's a little bit of what I was, what I was saying earlier, but that's terrifying because the one thing that was maybe mentally or just, you know, it's just a little bit of a burden is gone now. So if, if that's not the end of the road for him, like sometimes it is for guys, then it, it it's, it's just, everything's clear in front of him, which is, is really scary for the rest of the field. It, it is really, really, really scary. Um, there are, there are so many great storylines, low key coach. One of my favorite uh, involves the young guys because we have a very, very rare situation here where yeah. we haven't had an open championship in two years and we've had the meteoric rise of some of our great young golfers. And now names like Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, and Scotty Scheffler are teeing it up at an open championship for the very first time. Morikawa is like the fourth ranked player in the world or something like that. It, it's outrageous that that these scenarios have come together to make this happen. Yeah, but if anybody paid attention to how things went down last week, I, I'm predicting that that's what's going to happen this week at the Open Championship. I think they'll have good days, but I think they're going to have bad days sprinkled in. Morikawa uh, had really good runs, and all of a sudden you'd see him have a, you know, two bogeys in a row. Uh, Sheffield had a really first good three days, and then he backed up. And I, I really think you're going to see the lack of experience, especially since we haven't done this in two years. Even some of the players that may have, played in one or two open championships. We haven't done it in such a long period of time. I think a lot of people are going to be starting them from scratch. Now, that may help guys like Hovland and Morikawa and Scheffler because some guys are going to regress. But I think the young guys this week are really going to struggle specifically because of all the reasons that KP and Mark have already established that it's, it's really hard to learn on the job and it's really hard to learn in three days. 
when you show up at a course that's difficult. It would probably serve them to play at any other course on the Rota and then come to Royal St. George's maybe in two or three years. They don't have that. They're showing up this week. We'll see what happens. Coach said the E-word. Mark, experience. That's the word he used via Justin Ray. There's a really interesting stat here. Average age of major champions since 2011, so 10 years. The U.S. Open, 27 and a half. PGA Championship, 29 and a half. The Masters, 31 and a half. And then the Open, 35 and a half. Tends to skew a little bit older, maybe a little bit more experienced golfer who ends up hoisting the Claret Jug on Sunday. Yeah, there is a certain wisdom that's required to play open championship golf. And the more times you play around there, the more you sort of know what to expect. But the real truth of it is that you don't know what to expect alongside the coastline. Um, the weather forecast is supposed to be like 70 sunny and breezes of 10 to 20, which is like a club, two clubs, depending if you're into the wind or not. So really very manageable for this sort of stuff. So uh, I think you can sort of throw that out of the window a bit because Ben Curtis he was the last winner, yeah, and he was wet behind the ears when he won around this golf course just because of the way the, the whole thing shook out. So from that point of view, yeah, the Open Championship, you'll see certain venues. Um, but as far as it pertains to those three guys, why aren't, why aren't we mentioning Jaco Neiman? The guy hits it head high easily. He's coming in with good confidence. He was in the playoff at Detroit. Uh, where he basically fell over himself. He should have won the thing with half of his set of golf clubs. And, and he, w the, it's not really linksy, but Royal Melbourne is a similar sort of an idea where you hit balls to areas and then the thing feeds on the ground. He was pretty good down there in the President's Cup. So if you're looking at young folks, I would widen the 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 scope a little bit here and add Neiman. Add a Sung JM even to the mix too because of the way they hit the golf ball through the wind. Now, Marikawa, I said last week on the show, I didn't feel like he was going to play well in Scotland. That worked out. I'm, I'm not going to discount him twice because he's that quality and he is a pretty quick study. But to co co Coach's point, there's a lot to learn around a very intricate golf course this week. And just a few practice rounds, you're going to be learning while you're out there on the course. And the course is changing conditions. Scotty Scheffler hits the thing too high, man. He just does. Sorry, he's like the highest ball hitter on the PGA Tour. And when he learns to control that, maybe I'm sure he can contend because he's good enough. I think of those three you list, I, I, I'd be more inclined to believe that Victor Hovland sort of may be the one because, he, remember, he's been over there in Europe for a while. So he's more acclimatized to the conditions and the temperature and stuff. We, Rick, real quick, we do need to protect Mark on that because, Mark, there's a couple of guys, Sanjay and Siwoo Kim, right, Rick? Oh, uh, yes. Give me. Yeah. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Sorry. And, I'm and I will note, I, I omitted uh, Joaquin Neiman because he is not a debutante at this event, but he is certainly one who can contend in a big way. Love his game. He's a lot longer than people uh, realize he is. And that ball flight is certainly piercing. Uh, KP, you tweeted out something, which is <laughs> that's always that's yeah. You tweet out a lot of it things. It's dangerous. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to buy time because I have to find it. Here we go. Brooks, <laughs> Brooks on Lynx Golf. Quote, you might have 50 yards, but you have about six clubs you could play. I think that's always fun. Maybe that, maybe it's the experience of that, or maybe it's just the options that I like so much. The options that you can kind of take this course, whatever it kind of hands you, roll it up and do what you will with it. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that's a little bit of what you guys are alluding to about the experience thing. I, I think I think part of the reason, you know, the average age has been older than the other majors is you don't sometimes when you have options, you have young guys that are trying to play the hero shot, right? Like that that happens a lot. And that can get you into a lot of trouble. And I think the other thing is you as you get older in theory, you get more, um, you, you learn to accept like the bad breaks and the bad bounces more. And they don't, you don't try to save yourself on the next shot. You realize that you have 72 holes in front of you. You realize that, Hey, maybe hitting, um, like a soft eight here is better than trying to hit a hooking hard 
pitching wedge over, you know, three pod bunkers or whatever. Like I, I, I just, I, I, I do think there's something to that. And I thought, I thought Brooks's comments on links golf were, were super interesting and, you know, we'll probably talk about him, but he's been, I'm, I'm, I've for too long, I have just written him off for whatever reason as like, Oh, Brooks probably didn't get on, you know, his knee. And then he's just, he's always got a ton going on. And it's like, why am I doing it? He's finished in the top 15 at 17 of his last 21 majors. He's finished. I'll say that again. He's finished in the top 15 at 17 of his last 21 majors. Like he's just, he's just in the top fifth. It's like an auto top 15. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think about him as somebody who is like a super creative player or anything like that, but he's been awesome at opens and he was really good at port rush. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to watch him as, uh, you know, he was talking on Tuesday about, so he got asked about him and Bryson. And he's like, well, I mean, I'm going to be near the final, final pairing on Sunday. So if he is, then, then we'll duel. And it was like, it was, it's like a foregone conclusion. And it has been right. Like that's just been the reality of him at major championships over the last five years. The only way that the only way that he plays with Bryson is if they're playing on the plane ride that Bryson's going to be on Saturday morning going home. <laughs> hey, Sorry, go ahead. Amen. I'm I'm with you. Fade, fade, fade the big boy. Fade. It's it's almost a joke at this point, Mark. Right? You you did that. You did this. There's only this many guys who can win. Oh, Brooks are, really only cares about major championships. Then you look at uh, the results. You see the stats. You realize. Uh, even though he hasn't been playing all that well, or he hasn't even been even healthy. He's got back-to-back top fives in the last two major. Like, it's just, there's, there is just something about this guy four times a year, or in this case, six times in a season where he can get fired up. It's amazing. You know what, Rick, I have not caught up on a bunch of the press conferences to be very honest with you, but I caught snippets. Okay. And, Brooks is doing Brooks major championship stuff in the press room. I mean, this place, he goes, don't like the golf course very much. Too many blind shots, blah, 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 blah. I know. You know player impact p- program points, you know, because now folks are going to tweet this stuff. And then, then he also goes, well, you know, I also haven't picked up a golf club since the last, when was the last time he played? A, a little travelers. Way, yeah, Travelers. <laughs> He's coming in, yeah, saying he hasn't picked up a club and he hates the golf course. And this is what he does prior to events. He makes these statements in there, sort of throws it out there. It becomes fodder. People write stuff about him. And I guarantee you tomorrow morning on the broadsheets or the tabloids there in London and down there where he's in the south of England, back page, it's going to be Kepka disses the golf course, says he can't win. And that he's going to then plug on his locker and go, watch me now. <laughs> and, and, and so he's. it's almost like he's setting up his own material that's going to wind him up and then get him into the super focused mindset he talks about and then play well. So like Brooks, you actually in your own sort of a way, a bit of a genius because you are creating exactly what you need to be in this hyper focused mentality. You speak of every time a major championship rolls around, it's fascinating. And I've sort of finally figured the guy out. I mean, he's what he's doing is really smart, I guess. Does that remind you, Coach, of uh, from the last dance where somebody didn't come up and say hi to Michael Jordan in a restaurant? And he was like, that's enough. Now I got to just absolutely destroy this guy. He snubbed me at a like just looking for that bulletin board material, that motivation that you can uh, conjure from anywhere and turn that into something on the golf course. I love guys like that. I I, I can't stand uh, players. And I know we're in a gentleman's game. But players that are all buddy buddy before a tournament, and they're like, "Hey, anybody can." I I can't stand that. And so, even though I've been very critical of Brooks outside of the majors, I'm with KP now. I'm done being the idiot that bets against him. This is going to be the one where he doesn't play well, right? And you're just like, and then you get to Saturday, you're like, "Why have I lost two plays already on Friday? Why do I keep doing that? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done." But I love the fact that. Mark used the term genius because I believe he's sitting in his house now and with his fiance and they're laughing and they probably, before they went over there, he said, yeah, I'll say this. I'll say this. Oh, you know what? I'll tell him I hate the golf course. One of the greatest of all. Well, I would hate the golf course too. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll play. And I've been over to Europe a lot when I was in my wrestling days 
And the back page of the Sun is always what people read. That's mm-hmm. always where they put that big headline, like the New York Post does uh, as well. So uh, I do believe that Brooks wants to prove all of these people wrong. Uh, you know what? I'm here for it, and I'm waving the right white flag, and I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start buying him instead of fading him at all these majors. Yeah, I'm. I'm with Coach. I thought it was also interesting. Last thing on on him that I saw today was he got asked about. Uh, do you want to win the career slam? Which <laughs> no, yes. he was going to say no, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, and he said one. he actually said, "I want to go back to back in in all of them." So he's done it at the PGA, did it at the U.S. Open, wow. and and the the funny part about that was he goes he goes I really love St Andrews, so I just need to play well this year. Like he was because he's like guaranteed he was, to win it next year. He was already giving himself the 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 twenty two open at St Andrews. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like he was speaking as if, like a lot of the stuff he said today, he was speaking as if it had already happened. And I don't know. I mean, that's like half the deal. I feel like so, with with a lot of these guys is just the belief of, um, uh, uh, just the belief, like the self belief. And he obviously has a ton of it, uh, especially at majors. I love it. I'm proud of you guys, Kyle. Coach, your your change in perspective is it's it's refreshing. It's very refreshing. It's almost as refreshing as an Arnold Palmer oh, no. spike. <laughs> That's right. They now come in multi packs or a tall 24 ounce can. I was just playing golf a couple of days ago. I roll up to the halfway house. What do they have there? Arnold Palmer spiked. I stock up on those. Throw them in the cooler. Have me going for the rest of the day. You can find Arnold Palmer spiked in a store near you at arnoldpalmerspike.com slash first or search for it on Drizzly and Instacart. That's arnoldpalmerspikes.com slash first. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. It is actually refreshing. It is. Very good. Yes, yeah. It is. It is. It is. It's time. Nice segue, Rick. Nice Thank segue, you. everybody. Thank you very much. I've got, I've got, a, I got a dozen of these ready for you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, it's time to do our Jupiter of the West super contest. We take $100 over to William Hill and we put together our betting card and we kind of stink at this. Maybe you shouldn't be tailing these, but a hat tip to you, Kyle Porter. Uh, you are in the lead. My friend, you have turned a 6.4% ROI over the course of however long we've been doing this. Uh, so congratulations to you. Would you like to do a mini victory lap? Uh, I just like to go first. I never get to go first. Oh, yeah, because we usually keep yours the spiciest. But hey, you're the champ. You get to go first. <laughs> Producer Jacob, let's fire up Kyle Porter's betting card. And oh boy, I can see it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. For those of you viewing at home, the evolution of Kyle is complete. He went from uh, 20, 24 picks a week to 12 to 10 to 8. I'm staring at two. Um, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, champ. Where, I mean, you just tell me where you want to start. So I had a I had a problem. I was I spent like an hour on this, if you can believe that. And I was about 58 minutes in, and I had I, I literally had 11, 11 bets in front of me. I was I was doing like seven dollars and eight. It was nonsense. It was it was my typical thing, but like exponentially more. And finally, I was like, I only believe, really believe in one of these. Like, I am incredibly confident, which is this is sure to go very poorly. <laughs> but I'm incredibly confident about John Rahm's ability to finish. I mean, how many times have we seen a guy finish in the top 10 at all four majors of the year, right? He goes, top, he goes T5 at the Masters, uh, T8 at PGA, wins the U.S. Open. We saw Brooks do it in 2019. We saw Speed do it in 2015. Like, this is just... I think his year to finish in the top 10 at, at all four majors. And uh, yeah, so that was the one that I was just really confident in. And then I just thought Morikawa's number was dumb. Like it, it's dumb for the number four player in the world to be at 40 to one. Do I think he's going to win? No, but at 40 to one, that's just a, that's, that's silly. He's the best iron player on the planet. Mark made that call two years ago and I still agree with it. And for, you know, I, I I'm with coach. Like I, I don't, I don't, or whoever said it, Mark, I, I don't know that Lynx golf is really like his deal right now, but if you get the best player on the planet 
in a single category, and that category is iron play, approach play at 40 to one. I just feel like you have to take that. You know who else we saw finish inside the top five at all four majors in a season, Jacob? <laughs> Hit it, Jacob. Ricky Fowler. Fowler. Thank you. There it is. Ricky Fowler yeah. did it. Ricky Add him to the list. So just to recap, Kyle Porter's betting card. He took 90 of his $100. He placed it on John Rahm to finish inside the top 10 at minus 110. That is, of course, his best bet. And then $10 on Colin Morikawa at 40 to 1. Coach, what, what do you see when you look at this card? I see either the dumbest betting card that I've ever seen or the most genius betting card that I've ever seen. And we'll let you know Sunday night. I'm wait till really hey, wait till Morikawa and Rom are in a playoff. Then you'll you'll be <laughs> oh you'll God. be crawling back on on Sunday night. <laughs> I saw this in the outline and thought you hadn't finished yet, and then <laughs> and then when you were begging to go first, I knew I knew something was up. So I'm glad that I'm glad that we got that. Nice, well done. Yeah. Um, Mark. You're up next. We're going to pull up Mark's betting card here. And uh, what I love about this event uh, is the plethora of options. And you have taken advantage of some pretty cool ones here. So let's start with your two nationality bets. One of them is Adam Scott to be the top Australian plus 500. And the other is Victor Perez to be the top Frenchman at plus 188. Yes. First off, I just want to spend some Carl inside uh, some time inside of Carl's brain just for like an hour. Because <laughs> I mean, Mark, I you won't need that long. You won't need I, that long. I channeled my inner Carl here with a whole bunch of bets because I had some time to go through it, and there were a lot of cool bets and a lot of fun. You know, betting the folks in the UK can do this. I mean, on every corner there's a Ladbrokes, and every Ladbrokes you go into, they are full with everyone betting on stuff from you know, water running down wind, windows to, to horse racing and stuff. So, you know, I had a little fun with this. It sort of took me back to the time I lived in London. Um, and, and I just thought Adam Scott, just the way he plays, the way he hits the golf ball, he has been pretty solid lately. Of all the Australians, I just think Scott is the top Aussie, and I think there were like seven or eight in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's plus 500. I couldn't avert my eyes over there. And then Victor Perez, I, I'm I'm high on him. And I know folks who critique me for it, but he hits the ball hard. It's penetrating. He's pretty one-dimensional in what he does. He's very disciplined. And that's what you sort of have to be around a golf course like this. So I feel like he knocks off Rosner and and some of the other French guys that are in the field there. So that was a pretty easy bet for me. Um, you want to tee up one or two others? You want I, me to go? I know. I'll tee you up, Mark. Take a, take a breather. I know it's hard to run through all of these in a row here. So I got you. And this is what I also love. You get the top former winners. Um, mm. That I love. So you went with Louis Oosthuizen at plus 450 and Stuart Sink at 14 to one to be the top former winner. Yeah. Well, you know, that's me sort of playing my hand a little bit. I just thought plus 1400 for a guy who's won twice the season going back to Lynx golf. We had his biggest success. I'd be stupid not to put just 10 bucks on that, but I'm really believing in Louis Westes in this week. Um, and at plus 450, I think there were what nine former winners in the field. Yes. And, and the only guy that was had better odds than him, uh, was Jordan Spieth maybe? Rory, uh, those well, two. Rory as well. Forgive me. So there's two. So he's the third best guy over there, and and the verdicts out for me on McIlroy and the way he's driving the ball right now because you have to drive it well around here, and, and you know Jordan's Jordan. You never know what's going to happen, but I know what Louis's going to do. He's going to hit the ball well. He's going to make some putts, and he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. So I had some fun with those two bets, and I kind of hope that sink hits. I really do. <laughs> I, I was um, Mark ruined my my trivia question. I was going to say, okay, who do we think the favorite is of top former champs? There's two guys at the top. It's Jordan Spieth. It's Rory McIlroy. They're blo- both plus two sixty. And then you're going to round out your card here, Mark. Tommy Fleetwood, even money over the 2019 champion golfer of the year, Shane Lowry. And then here is a fun one double chance this means you get either john rom or justin thomas either one can win it cashes plus 550 and then i see a south african as your top bet to make the cut dean burmeister yes uh look john rom if he doesn't win there'll have to be an investigation and i loved what i saw out of justin thomas last week 
he always hits it good. We know that. But uh, the work with John Graham on the putting looks like it's starting to gain a little traction. And then the offshoot of that is some confidence on the greens. Um, so that's a big deal for Justin Thomas. And then um, Larry was the darling in, in, in Ireland. Uh, and I just think an Englishman in England is a good idea, especially in the south of England. So look for Fleetwood there. But but Burmy, he's a good one. You know, he hits the ball long. He's won on the European Tour this uh, this week. And, I mean, uh, I th- gee whiz, I think he just has to wake up on Friday morning to make the cut. So plus 125 is going to lay some money on that. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mark. Again, to recap his best bet, Dean Burmeister to make the cut, plus 125. Let's pull up my card here, uh, producer Jacob. And Coach, we'll bring you in on this one because we've talked through some of these quite a bit. I stick with the vast majority of my dollars going in matchups. This time, Tony Finau over Justin Rose and Abraham Anser over Christian Bezadenhote. I, uh, to take a, a little phrase from your world, Coach, uh, Tony Finau is minus 162. It's a big number. It's a lot of juice sometimes worth the squeeze i believe it is worth the squeeze you're damn right it is justin rose (laughs) is horrible right now i mean i would have laid this up to 180 or 190 to be honest with you horrible right now he i I saw him hit a shank whatever the last tournament was he played in i think it was detroit or he hit a shank that was so bad that i couldn't believe it was hit by a pro golfer it was that bad and he's just been playing well but i mean this week, with all the humps and the bumps, this this is as big a lock as I've seen in golf in recent times. <laughs> hey, coach, coach, be careful of the hyperbole. Every shank is a bad shank, okay? <laughs> You've gotten ranked. Very true. Thing. Very true. But this was bad. But, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh. I can't believe how bad he's playing right now. <laughs> I went with Danny Willett at win-like odds to be the top Englishman. There is certainly some competition, but 22 to 1, uh, much too deep for old Danny Willett. And then I went with... That bad man, Brooks Kepka, to be the top American at nine to one. And I rounded it out with a, a pretty good ball striker at 40 to one myself, KP. But I went with Victor Hovland um, because I love him. Uh, better <laughs> chance Victor Hovland or Mark Hollow to win? Hovland. Hovland. Uh, I guess three to one, Hovland. You think Hovland as well? I think I have to, right? I had I had an opportunity to bet $5 yeah, on true. any 40 to one guy, and I picked Hovland. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I worry, and maybe this is true of Morikawa too. I think I worry a little bit about like Hovland's short game's gotten way better. There's a great article on, uh, I think it's Golf Magazine by Josh uh, Sins talking about um, just how much he's in, like, how I can't remember who he works with on a short game. Mark probably knows, but how much his short game has improved over the last year. I just don't know if it's creative enough at a place like an open um to to win but that is a good number i mean the what is he ranked 13 in the world yes who's his coach mark uh jeff smith uh is there you go with with the lofted stuff but but here's why i think he'll actually be good around the greens here because he plays very shut on the way back and if you do that, you can hit the ball flat and you can bump the ball along the ground pretty well. And, and you can hit those sorts of shots. Where he struggled was balls that he had to pitch because with a shot going back, he'd have to rock back and open up the face coming through. So the the landing point, the contact point was way out of position. Now that he's got the lofted shot and that shot method, I actually think he'll be fine around the greens and because he has now a selection of shots. I got a stat for you all real quick, just off the top of my head. <laughs> Hovland and two guys we've talked about, Hovland and Neiman, no top tens at majors. And Scotty Scheffler has six. Hovland had to withdraw from one because he got sand in his eye. So well, he was no he, fair. He was out of he it. Was, anyway. He was going to miss the cut. <laughs> <laughs> and, were, and were any of those six for Scheffler at the open? No, no. None of, well, Neiman's played the open, but the other two, the other two have not. One, yeah. Yeah, that was a dumb question because I knew the answer, so I apologize. Also, Victor Hovland is 14th in the world. Don't tweet at me that I said ah, he was 13th. And he's 14th, just, just save, save the tweets. Save You're the- an idiot. <laughs> You're a moron. They got to start charging for tweets so people don't fire. Oh. I, I rack up quite a bill. Um, okay, coach, that leaves your card remaining. And Good. I'm going to break this down. Let's start with your matchups. Yep. Louis who stays in over Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth over Brooks Kepka, and this one, Ian Poulter. Coach, you already went. <laughs> Spieth over Brooks, you're already going against yourself. And Joaquin. I, I, 
KP, I just realized that. I'm <laughs> what did he do? I've been talking well, this entire hour, and I'm switching my entire mind over. I said, I'm not the idiot anymore. And then oh, yeah. the entire thing comes up, and I'm going against Kepka. Um, I feel like I need to pull a mark here and switch one of my plays. Um, because I, I, I – oh, my God. I was ready to give you garbage on another one of these. I, I'm, I, the, I like the, – the, so, so Poulter – Poulter over Neiman, I think I have an issue with. How big of an issue? Uh, an Arnold Palmer's case of Arnold Palmer spikes worth of it. Get, get Mark, make it a three-way here. Three-way trade. I drink wine. Actually, no, I'll, I'll, whatever, just for bragging rights. I, I, I'm, I'm really keen at that, Herbert. you got such a recency bias, Coach. It's actually silly. But you're a better expert, so I, I guess you're going for the number over here. <laughs> I like that Kyle, Kyle jabbed him. Herbert? Kyle well, jabbed hey, him, hey, I let, jabbed him, and Mark jabbed him. Hey, listen, if y'all... <laughs> let, me if y'all... Of, <laughs> let me take these one at a time. KP, you're right. I can't argue with you, so I'm going to move on from KP. Uh, Rick, the bet's on. All right. Mark, um, Herbert has four straight top 20 finishes. His last four starts, he won two weeks ago. Last week, he was top four. How can you not bet him to be the top Australian over Adam Scott? Yeah, is it is it recency bias like the point of this whole thing? Yes, it's the whole point of betting. But you're also the guy to say, oh, now he played well last week. He's going to play well again. He must be exhausted after all this big run. Come on now. Every week you're giving me different stuff. Wait, me or coach? No, coach. Coach, put your headset on so you can hear me. I'm a mess right now. I'm an absolute mess. Um Herbert, I almost picked him like top ten. To, like I was going to pick I, him two or three times. I like it too. We'll see. We'll see Thank how you. it goes. Um, we have uh, coach walked into just a firestorm there. Oh, yeah, so just, just just to recap, coach has got Ian Poulter over Joaquin Neiman. That's an Arnold Palmer spiked bet. Okay, a case I've got Neiman. He's got Poulter. Speed over Kepka, which he's already regretting. Ustazen over Scheffler. Those are the three matchups. We might as well loop yeah. in your best bet here. This is okay. Jordan Speed, coach getting plus money over two guys. I assume you're just fading here. Bryson, you already mentioned that. The other one, Brandon Grace. I'll make this very quick. Ian Poulter played great last week. He shot the lowest round in the history of his career on the European Tour, 63. KP already helped me. He has no top 10s at at majors. Ian, I think Ian Poulter's going to have a top 20 this week. I really, really do. Uh, Jordan Spieth, when you talk about guys, what what are we talking about this entire hour? Great around the green, hitting good iron shots, haven't we? Who's better than Jordan Spieth at those two things right now? Nobody. The only thing that that that, that I don't like is that he hasn't played between the U.S. Open and here. It's the only thing I don't like. But I also don't like the fact that I picked him over Kepka now. But I'm going <laughs> to leave it because I would be hypocritical because I'm always critical of everybody else. So I'm going to stick to mine, too, if I'm going to talk to everybody else. Uh, Louis Ustase is terrific. We've already mm-hmm. talked about Scotty Scheffler. Mark said he hits it too high. He regressed Sunday big time and showed, I think, what he's going to be this week. And, yes, the Bryson Grace, that brings the Jordan Spieth number to something I can play with, and I can get some plus numbers. Bryson, he's going to miss the cut, and Brandon Grace is going to be average this week. You mentioned Ustase, and you also have Miss South, South – wow. Top South African, <laughs> not South Top African. <laughs> Top South African at plus yes. 200. Yes. Herbert as top Australian plus 450 talks about that. And then the one we have not talked about, Matt Fitzpatrick, top Englishman at five to one. Yeah, you could, all you have to do is beat Hatton, Fleetwood, or Paul Casey. And Danny Willett, I suppose, Rick. Uh, but I don't think he's going to beat Matthew Fitzpatrick. This is the race to Dubai champion. This is the dude who lost in a playoff last week with the pressure, gentlemen. Think of the pressure of knowing you've got a private plane or air or a, a helicopter waiting to take you to the soccer match and you have a weather delay, you have a weather delay. And yet you still say laser focused to get into the playoff. That's a guy I want to back this week. Give me Matthew Fitzpatrick a chance. I also think he could win plus 3,300, 3,500. I like that play a little bit too. Didn't play it here, but I wouldn't mind him to win either. That's, that's the untangibles. That's that doesn't show up in the stats. How do you play? When you've got a helicopter waiting to take you to a big Thank time you. soccer game. Yeah, that's Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Helicopters. That's right. Let me recap our best bets. Uh, I'm going with Abraham answer over Christian Bezade and Hope. Kyle has gone 
Jason Kokrak all in on John Rahm to finish inside the top 10. Coach went with Spieth over Bryson and Brandon Grace. Mark went with Dean Burmeister to make the cut. Greg let us know that he's going with Sergio Garcia over Terrell Hatton and Webb Simpson. That's a three ball. And then Sia is going with Patrick Cantlay, also in a three ball, plus 140 over Lee Westwood and Tony Finau. Those are our best bets, which means, gentlemen, we only have one, one thing left to do oh, um, <laughs> coach this is it's, it's getting better for you coach it's <laughs> it the is? one and done well i mean it's better for me yeah at last yeah well but here's the thing i knew you're on a tear but no we're not on a tear wait till till till, till rick says what happened last week i knew that when i had the same guy as mark that i was screwed for the week <laughs> <laughs> and look what happened tell him rick tell him what happened uh, yeah, we uh, Jacob was the only one who got any money. He got $30,000 from Daniel Berger, and the rest of us got $0. $0. Thank you, Mark. $0. That is somehow Mark's fault. <laughs> I went with Russell Henley. I, the only reason, because I remember I was with Henley and Harmon, and I wasn't sure. And yes. producer Jacob said to me, you better make a call now. And so I looked at the thing. I'm like, I'm going to go the same as Greg, and I'm just going to let this week play out because it's hard to handicap, and I'm and I'm. I'm confident in my last few picks. So I went with Harmon because Greg did it. Now look at us. We're all basically sitting with zero. And my cut streak continues. Miscut streak, that is. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that miscut streak in just a second. But let me let me give a little update on where we're at. Because by my count, I think we have seven events left. We're not doing the Olympics, right? We're not like assigning. I don't know what money we uh, would. No, we are. We are. Okay. So then we have eight events left. Open Championship, 3M Open, Olympics, WGC FedEx, Wyndham, Northern Trust, BMW, Tour Championship. Producer Jacob has let us know that we are taking... Okay, let me see if I can remember this. For the Tour Championship, we are going to take the top 30 payouts from the WGC FedEx St. Jude, double them for some reason at Mark's lobbying, and we are going to use that as our payouts. JT, yes. Wait, was this was this decision made in my absence last week? Yes, yes yeah, it was. It was. It, it was. was. It's yes, been a wild couple of weeks. Because, yes. Here's the thing, Kyle, in case you didn't listen. Jacob was like, no, we'll just throw regular money on this thing. I'm like, no, you're penalizing me for being disciplined and saving Justin Thomas the entire year. And he goes, well, okay, that's fine. And so we, we, we yeah. decided to make it at least worth like a, a major championship. He was very soft. Yeah, Jeweler didn't stand up at all. In March's defense, it's, we, it's we the rule against injury. him nine out of ten times, yeah, and he finally yeah, got true. one over on that's us. True. <laughs> I mean, it is Eastlake is considered the sixth major, so I, I you know we're we're good. The reason I know this is because I've laid out. I've I've got a plan now because you got now the tour championship is super valuable, and you got to make sure you have somebody there. And I think we're using the starting strokes, Jacob. Right? Aren't we using the starting strokes? Yeah, we'll use the we'll use the non-shadow leaderboard. So you really got to have somebody. Wait, hold on, hold on. I know, I know, I know. That's what you play the whole season for. Yes, it's Mark's currency. So we're doing the we're. (laughs) So we're doing the net, the net hit. The yeah, this is the net. This is the net. Okay. Hey Jacob, sign me up for Justin Thomas. Do it. Put Just it in. Save save it for seven weeks, Mark. Hang on to him. Don't spend him. We're gonna try to get you to use him in Memphis or something. Um, <laughs> all right. So with all that being said, Jacob, you are in dead last. You have four point three million. But with these new rules, you're like two wins away from taking the lead here. You win this week. You win the tour championship. Uh, you might be in first place. Yep. Well, I gotta say it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to win this week and make significant gains considering I've already peeped ahead at who else is picking. And I will say I, I threw this pick in the rundown first uh, oh boy. The person who makes a rundown. So <laughs> maybe, maybe whenever it's under coaches tender, you get, uh, you get some bonus for being the first one to put a pick in, but I digress. We're going with, uh, with Louis Wustazen. Louis Wustazen oh. for Jacob. He is at very, very popular pick. Yeah, he's at very, 4.3 very million. Outside the box thinking there. Uh, Coach, you have a small lead over producer Jacob. You got $0 from Brian Harmon. That stopped a pretty good stretch of, of results for you uh, because you had made $2 million over the course of the three previous weeks. So you are trying to reignite that flame for this week. Who do you got? I feel really good about it. I'm kicking myself because I was going to play Lucas Glover last week, and I didn't. 
uh, and that would have been nice. Um, however, when I am the commissioner come the fall, when we have real money on this, there's going to be some significantly different rules in place. Uh, that's not the case today. So I'm going to go Matthew Fitzpatrick this week is my one and done. Matthew Fitzpatrick, lock it in. Fitzpatrick for coach, whatever those rules are, let's just lock them in before the year starts. So we're all, can we get Rolex series events in there? Like, Say again. Can we get Rolex series events in there? Like, <laughs> yeah. Hell yes. I've got a whole list. This is going to be a real one and done. Not like what we're doing this year. This do is the a Asian, real do, one and done. Do the sunshine tour. Do yeah, all of it. Simultaneous like LPGA one and done as well. Like throw right, you, guys, you guys are just being dumb. Now. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take Takumi Kanaya. As my pick, first first week next year. We do like. <laughs> can we allocate Rolex points? Can we do an amateur ranking somehow? Can we get amateur Tyler Cumber? No. <laughs> he just pops in and pops out whenever he wants. Yeah, he Isn't does. that amazing? He has that ability to just like get in and get out. Uh, KP, you're up yep. next. You are luckily three point two million dollars clear of those jabronis down at the bottom, Coach and <laughs> Jacob. So you got some you got some breathing room here. Although you did get a big fat zero from Alex Norin last week with over two million dollars on the line. Who are you going with? Well, I'm 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 going with what I said with what Coach and I said earlier. I'm going with Brooksy. I'm I'm done with it. I'm done. Thinking like, oh, well, he's got a knee thing and he's got a Bryson thing. Like he just, <laughs> he, he's just awesome at majors. And I'm probably three years too late to it, but I'm in. Brooksy, open championship. Let's go. Fi- finally wore you down. Uh, 17 top 15s <laughs> later, he finally, <laughs> finally wore you down. Kyle, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. It, you should make fun of me. I am, it is worth making fun of, but don't you feel like there's a, like weird reticent. I mean, you saw the stat, Rick. I tweeted it out. 84 under since 2017 at majors. The next best guy is 23 under. It's DJ. Isn't there like a disconnect between the reality of that stat and the way everybody thinks about Brooks Kepka? Yes. Yes, there absolutely is. Because we do it right here on the show. We discount him because all he cares about is the majors. So we don't like him. And then when he goes to the majors, we want him to fail because we don't like him. Because he doesn't <laughs> That's what it is. That's it's such a, in a nutshell. That's what it's, it so, is. it's so circular. Do you agree, Rick? Do you think we, we, yes, it's been normalized, right? It's, it's like, Oh, of course Brooks is good at majors, but like the fact that he has been that good and something that, uh, yeah, the 84 under, I, I, I said to you, it looks like a typo it, it, because the next guys are like 24, 23 and 22 under, but it looks like a typo that yeah. some intern put together the wrong graphic on. It's crazy. Wait, Jacob is saying in the chat that's the gambler's fallacy. Coach, what is the gambler's fallacy? Well, it's basically where the numbers don't match up with what you should play and how you handicap a, a certain player or players, and it's a fallacy that a certain guy can't play well in a certain situation. It's the incorrect belief that a particular event occurs more frequently than normal during the past so now it is less likely to happen in the future. It is like if you get six blacks in a row in roulette and people are like, ah, it's got to be red. It's like, no, nah, the odds have Correct. changed. Correct. You think yeah. it's going okay. to continue to happen. Yes. Yeah. So you okay. bet it gets over and over and over and over, which is mm. what we've all done against Brooks at majors. We continue to do it and we continue to lose money. And I guess I'm going to lose 10 bucks this week in my picks with Spieth over Kepka. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Kyle's taking Brooksy. Mark, you are just narrowly clear of Kyle. You have about a $200,000 lead. You have already alluded to the five consecutive weeks that you have failed to return a single dollar. Um, I would like to ask you, who is going to break that streak for you? Hey, by the way, I started this five-week missed cut streak with Brooks Kepka at the Palmetto Championship. Correct. So, well, that, that's on you for taking him at a non-major. <laughs> yeah, it really is on you. Um, yeah, so that's completely me. Um, I've I've been interested in Louis Westerson for this event for a long time, and um, I'm just staying with King Louis. And and I just want to give a shout out to you know all my folks over in South Africa right now. There's or not my people, just just the South African people. There's a whole lot of unrest, political unrest and stuff over there, rioting, looting, people getting killed, and so it's a pretty nasty scene over there. And for everyone who's listening, have a watch on the news, pay attention to it because it's not great. 
And so I think a lot of the South Africans are going to be playing with maybe heavy hearts, certainly, but also a little something to kind of prove, maybe to galvanize this country behind some success. So, uh, so I'm hoping Louis sort of channels some of that, that, that energy to, to do something special for the Rainbow Nation. Cool. There you go. Well said, Mark. Um, I am a million dollars clear of that. I'm at 8.9 million. And uh, you're not going to make up much ground on me, Mark, because I'm also going with Louis Ustazen. That is, um, I've got someone really sneaky saved up for the tour championship. So the way this all shook out, Louis's my guy for this week. I'd be happy to take another one of those classic Louis runner-up finishes. Sign me up for one of those bad boys right about now. We'll see how it shakes out. Rick, why are you teasing Kevin Na in the chamber for the tour championship? <laughs> <laughs> it is not did you, hey, did you see my stat on, on Louis, Rick? No, I don't think so. What was it? Uh, I can't find it now. <laughs> All right, while you find it, I'll do Greg's pick because Greg is in okay. the lead. So Greg has about a $200,000 lead on me. He's at $9.1 and he has uh, already submitted his pick, and he is going with Drum roll, please. Uh, hey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, I'm going to go bananas. No, it's Brooks Kepka. He's no! going with- <laughs> really? Yeah, he's wow. he's done a really good job of staying like keeping his guys on. Like I, I've I've had Brooks save for this. I've had what I mean. He's done a he's done a pretty good job here. Discipline. Yeah, discipline. Here's the here's the Louis stat. Louis Tazen is two strokes from having three majors, six strokes from having five majors, and twelve strokes from having seven majors. Which this looks like, you know, ifs and buts, whatever. But there aren't very many guys that this applies to. Like that, you can't. You, like the number in the left column and the number in the right column are not that close for that many guys. Even Tiger. Tiger didn't have that many like close calls. I looked up Jack. Jack's is is a similar one. He's Jack is uh, twelve strokes from having twenty four majors, which is essentially the same. Like he he's twelve strokes from having six more, which is the same as Louis. Um, but Louis's got two playoff losses, two two one stroke losses, and two two stroke losses in majors. So it's pretty crazy. I mean, think about just those numbers, right? I mean, Louis Ustazen could easily be like a four-time major winner six-time major winner easily yeah any anyone is open by how many nine eight should have saved some yeah he won by a canter that that's a phenomenal work you've done over there that that's tremendous stuff to dig that up but but you know golf is that weird thing where you go for 280 something strokes and it gets separated by one in the end. And that one could be a funny bounce or that one could be, you know, runs and stuff like that. What I want to see, like I look at that and I sort of, I don't go, he, I know he's a great player, but I'd love to say to Louis, man, big guy, that, that rough spot that you have in the tournament for nine holes, seven holes, whatever it might be, five holes. Come on now, please, really. If you're in position that much, there's an area you need to tighten up because you could, chalk it up to a bad bounce or a lip putt or whatever the case might be he's a great player he's made a whole bunch of money yeah he, he should be closing a little bit more than what he has really to be Louis, honest Louis uh, kind of instinct i really really do i think Louis kind of brooks light at majors i mean he's That's talked it. about it he's like i i get i get better whenever it gets harder and whenever better players are in the field he just hasn't you know, he doesn't have the brooding demeanor and all the trophies that Brooks has. Well, so the, one I, thing, the one thing that Louis does well, because look, the major, the majors are fraught with, with emotion and adrenaline and all that sort of stuff. It's something that I, I don't think us, we're doing the fans a disservice by not addressing those sorts of things. You know, we, you can't just say it's a strokes gain metric because I've been in a household with guys, a guy playing at the highest level and it's different. It just is different to every other week, the way they're feeling. And the one thing Louis has got this unreal, it's a God-given skill that he never changes pace, whether it's the John Deere, with respect, or the Open Championship. He, he never gets adrenalized. And, and, and it's the craziest thing to watch. I mean, you'll hit the ball a little farther, but you'll never see like rampant changes in demeanor or the speed varying and that sort of thing in the golf swing it's it's uncanny and, and that's part of the reason why i think he does so well i like that mark gave kyle a genuine 
compliment in there. A almost as genuine as Arnold Palmer. Uh, <laughs> I'm just it's not. It's not actually a read. I'm just kidding. Um, open, open championship, gentlemen. We are going to have a Wednesday, <laughs> a Wednesday preview. But I think we're going to have a, a, some different faces. So before we get out of here, anything else? This is a a special week. The times all different. It's going to be a lot of fun. We haven't had it in a while. Anything else before we get out of here? We haven't done picks just around the room. Oh, what do you want to do? Picks to win? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, I, I think Rom's going to win, but I picked Fitzpatrick for value. If, if I'm going just who I think's going to win, Rom and betting Fitzpatrick. Rom. Greg went with Rom. Mark. Rom. Yeah, I went with Kepka. <laughs> this is, is, is going to be a disaster for Rom. <laughs> it really, really is. It really is. Uh, uh, all right, gentlemen. I hey, if I come. If I come back on Wednesday, can we talk Spieth? Yeah, I've got like nine more stories. Yeah, and Spieth, okay. Spieth and Rory, I think, and probably DJ are the big ones we didn't get to. So, Bryson. <clears throat> and Bryson, yeah, there's so many. So I yeah. imagine that's that's probably where we're headed on Wednesday. So yeah, okay. I probably just need like forty minutes or so. That's all. Maybe thirty. Just, yeah, yeah, no problem. All good. Yeah. Uh, producer and Jacob, I will, and I will not be on the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys have fun changing my schedule right now. No, okay. Um. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much, Producer Jacob. Mark Immelman, big thanks. You can find him at Mark underscore Immelman. That's the coach at The Coach Rules. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.